Well, in the words of the song, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. All around, people have begun decorating their homes for this season. Some folks did this weeks ago, going against all cultural norms. And to that I say, if putting up Christmas decorations the day after Halloween sparks joy for you, go for it. Only God can judge you. This is a year when we can all use a little more joy, not less. One common feature of Christmas decorations, Christmas stories, and Christmas songs is the angelic messengers who announced the birth of Jesus to Mary and Joseph, then later to the shepherds outside Bethlehem. I suspect that when it comes to angels, you tend to fall into one of two extremes. In my experience, most people lean in one of these directions. On the one hand, it could be that you have an almost unhealthy curiosity about angels. We've all known people who seem near obsessed with them. They have depictions of angels throughout their home. They seem to have thought in more detail about angels than they have about the doctrines of God or Christ or some other truth that is far more central to the Christian faith. That's one unhelpful extreme. On the other hand, it could be that you rarely, if ever, think about angels. When you saw the title of this podcast, maybe you thought, hmm, angels. Now, there's something I haven't thought about in a while. And the reasons for that may be manifold. It could be that you've known people who have an unhealthy curiosity about angels, and you're reacting to that. Maybe it's as simple as the fact that the ministry of angels does not seem as obvious today as it did during the Old and New Testament eras. Perhaps you might even admit that you're not sure if you really believe in the existence of angels at all. Sometimes you wonder to yourself if they were merely a way for pre-modern people to make sense of and express what they were experiencing in the world around them. We had a podcast a few weeks ago on the inerrancy of Scripture, so if you haven't heard that, you might want to go back and give it a listen. Inerrancy is a way of saying that the Bible is completely free of all error. For the purpose of this podcast, we're going to take the Bible at face value. We're going to operate on the assumption that it is completely trustworthy in everything it tells us, including what it has to say about angelic beings. And we want to have a, a healthy curiosity about these beings while also having a good dose of doctrinal humility. We don't want to say more than what the Bible says about them, but we also don't want to say less. Now, the word angel is a kind of catch-all word we found helpful to describe all different kinds of spiritual beings. Theologians refer to these creatures as preternatural. They are beyond the natural world, not being composed of the same natural materials that make up our bodies and all other natural things. But angels are also not supernatural. They're not in any way equal with God. They're not eternal like Him. They're not all-powerful or all-knowing or omnipresent like He is. They are created beings dependent on God for their existence, just as we are, while being very different from us. The Bible uses a constellation of words to describe these beings that we call angels. Cherubim, seraphim, sons of God, spirits, watchers, holy ones, principalities and powers. These are all ways that the Bible speaks of these preternatural beings we call angels. And the word angel itself is not a translation. It is a transliteration of the Greek word angelos, which means messenger. And this is probably a helpful entry point to thinking about angels. The Bible says far more about what angels do than it says about their nature, what they look like, and that sort of thing. Throughout history, Christians have engaged in all kinds of 
fanciful speculation about angels, about their appearance, their classifications, even the speed at which they can fly. But rather than engaging in such guesswork, let's try to focus our attention on what is relatively clear from Scripture. First of all, it seems pretty clear that there are lots of angels. On several occasions, the Bible uses terms to describe the vast number of angelic beings, words like hosts, multitude, legions, and thousands. So even though most of us have never seen a single angel, at least that we're aware of, they seem to be vast in number. Second, angels are simple beings. Now, what do I mean when I call them simple beings? I don't mean that they are unintelligent. If anything, the Bible makes it clear that they are quite intelligent. Nor do I mean that angels are, are somehow not special. By all accounts, those in the Bible who encounter angels come away with memorable experiences. By calling them simple, I mean that angels are spiritual beings without bodies. Humans are composed of both a body and a spirit. Angels do not have natural bodies as we do. Of course, they are they are capable of taking forms that humans can see. They even seem to be capable of, of appearing human. But they are not human. They are entirely different spiritual beings. Third, angels are holy. Of course, in this instance, I'm speaking only of, of good angels. There are some who have fallen into sin, Satan being among them. We often refer to those kinds of angels as demons. The angels who have not fallen, however, are perfectly holy, which is why they are able to be in God's presence. Fourth, angels exist to worship God and to carry out His purposes in the world. The Bible often describes angels delivering some message from God to humans. They stand in God's presence, worshiping Him day and night. They protect God's people and oppose God's enemies. And theologian Herman Bovink describes the other parts of their ordinary ministry in this way. He says of angels, they rejoice over the conversion of a sinner. They watch over believers. They protect the little ones and are present in the church. They follow it on its journeys through history, allow themselves to be taught by it, and they carry believers into Abraham's bosom. And there are a couple of points in that description worth explaining a bit more. Nowhere does the Bible teach specifically that every individual has his or her own personal, unique guardian angel. But the Bible also does not deny that view. And one thing that seems clear is that angels do minister to believers. Hebrews 1.14 says of angels, Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? So although angels are more powerful than we are, God says that they serve us. What's more, the superiority that angels have over us is temporary. Ephesians 3 and 1 Peter 1 present angels as spectators who are watching salvation and watching God's wisdom unfold in the church. And in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 3, Paul asks the question, Do you not know that we are to judge angels? So the common idea that many people seem to have in which people become angels when they die, it actually sells us short of what God has promised us. 
He has made mankind for a little while lower than the angels. But for those who trust in Christ, He will raise us up with Him, and we will actually sit in judgment over angels. Now, there are two primary takeaways that I want to encourage us toward so that we don't leave this discussion of angels in the realm of the abstract. The two takeaways that I want to encourage you toward are humility and courage. Theologian John Frame writes that modern worldviews typically claim to have discovered a much larger universe than was known to the ancients and medievals, but they have a much smaller view of the universe of persons having abandoned belief in God and in angels. In other words, if we ignore the presence of angels, we're ignoring a vast portion of the world God created. Even among believers, it can be all too easy, not necessarily to deny, but simply to forget this truth. So the doctrine of angels can and should remind us of how little we see and know. In other words, it should humble us. But it can also give us courage, knowing that the world is filled with these powerful beings who serve God should remind us of His unparalleled power to do all that pleases Him. God wields His power in personal ways. Again, John Frame puts it this way, Scripture has little, if anything, to say about natural laws and forces, much to say about God's personal agents, both angels and men. In 2 Kings 6, Elisha's servant was understandably terrified at the vastness of Syria's army with its foreboding horses and chariots surrounding the city. But Elisha comforted him with these words. He said, Do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. May the Lord open our eyes as well to behold all that he wields for our good. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Henderson Baptist Church. If you'd like more information about our church, you can visit us on Facebook or check out our website, hendersonbaptist.org.